0: Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 131, for Saturday, the 15th of December, 2018. And I'm delighted to say today that instead of my customary cup of tea, I've actually got my first Satsuma of the year. Now, if you like Satsumas and you're a bit of a Satsuma connoisseur, you'll know that there is no replacement for a beautiful seasonal Satsuma. Clementines and all these other nonsense things they try and fob you off with just won't do if you love Satsumas. The trick to a Satsuma is to roll it in your, in your hand and to feel the pith or the skin coming away from the fruit inside. Now, I have a delightful Satsuma just here. So I may need to stop up every now and then to have a little bit because it's absolutely delicious. It's a perfect Satsuma. Anyhow, this isn't Satsuma News Weekly. It is actually Paul's Podcast Diary. So I'd better give you some writing news. And um, I'm going to Spain on Tuesday. So I I am literally just doing the last jobs um, today and tomorrow. And then I'm going to start packing me back and get ready to go. So I leave after work on Tuesday, hopping on a train over to Newcastle Airport. Then we fly on Wednesday and I won't be back in the country until the 11th of January. So I'm away for quite a stint. And we're going out in different parties. So there's different adults at different Uh, children uh, as I call them still but you know young people coming back from universities and things like that and we're heading off in in different parties but we'll all kind of meet there uh, for over Christmas and New Year so that means that the next four diaries after this one have been pre-recorded already Um, I have would you believe had to pre-record 15 podcasts to go away until the 11th of January Uh, so for this podcast that includes guests for the next four or five weeks whatever it works out at plus diaries and then I've also done another five for the crypto news podcast so uh, bit of a crazy time recording, but I'm very happy to announce that once this one's edited and posted, that's, that's 16, isn't it? That'll be the 16 done, and that's me kind of clear until I get back into the UK. Um, now, the reason I can pre-record the diaries is because they're 2018 quarter four reviews and 2019 quarter one previews. So you're not going to get any kind of weekly news from me. I'm simply going to be reviewing, first of all, 2018, then quarter four of this year. And then after that, I'll be looking ahead to the whole of 2019, and what I'm hoping to achieve, and then also my quarter one goals. So it's actually quite handy that they pan out for podcast diaries. So what will I be doing in Spain? Well, the answer is is not a huge amount. Uh, I'm certainly not gonna be writing in Spain, but I will be doing um, a lot of authorly jobs. So um, I'm gonna read the book, Show, Don't Tell. Uh, That's a book. Who did I hear mentioning that? Oh, that was Jerry Evanoff in his podcast. I went straight out and bought it. And before I, I, you know, put the proverbial pen to paper on my next book, I want to read that book because that is a particular pain point for me, Show Don't Tell. And uh, the book kind of promises that it's the only book you'll ever need to read. And Jerry was saying in his podcast how uh, useful he found it. So. Going to get that book read as a matter of priority, uh, hopefully on the plane when we're going over. I've also got um, some other uh, military sci-fi books that I need to read while I'm there because that will help me make my final decision about what I'm doing with my writing next. So they're going to get read ASAP. Even though I've taken some thrillers out that I want to read, I need to sort of read some military sci-fi. Then I'll make that final decision about what genre I'm writing in and whether I'm doing a collaboration or writing uh, on my own when I get back in the new year. So um, I'll also kind of be thinking about. You're going to hear the, the plans that I've got for 2019, because I've, I've pre-recorded those. But I may also just, you know, tweak those when I'm in Spain. I may just think about it and, and, and tweak them. Got some pretty um, got some pretty ambitious goals in quarter one 2019, as you'll hear when you get to that diary. And I, I got to say, I'm not entirely sure that I'll be able to, to to meet it, but I'll probably strike out and try my luck and see whether it, it, it works. But um, I will say that confidence is low about hitting the goals in the first quarter of 2019. There's so much change. You know, I'm a creature of habit and routine, and it does involve uh, a change to routine. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But you'll hear about the 2019 uh, goals when that kind of diary comes up. I'm also going to be extracting from the book Write to Market by Chris Fox, the genre tropes for military sci-fi books. One of the useful things in that book is that he talks a lot about his, his genre that he writes in. So you get loads of kind of tropes when he's talking about tropes and things that you've got to head for as a writer. So I'm going to be extracting all those tropes, all the comments about that genre from his book. Now I've been watching military sci-fi i didn't know that's what it was called but i've been watching it for years you know since i was well, since i was eight nine ten you know i used to watch sci-fi all the time and space 1999 and ufo and all this kind of thing um you know babylon 5 Battlestar galactica you name it i used to watch it and of course the original one which is um uh star trek i've watched all iterations of star Trek and all the films and all of this kind of stuff so i love that kind of stuff um so uh, I just need to kind of hone. There's a difference between watching it and enjoying it and then be able to kind of itemize the tropes and the, the things that you respond to in that book. So that's what I'm going to be doing with Chris Fox's book. And then I'm going to be planning whatever I do commit to write next. I shall be planning that in Shop because I'm just going to be taking a, a lightweight laptop. I've got my uh, Google Chromebook, which I absolutely love for travel. But I have to work in the cloud on that. You have a very limited hard drive. You could download a couple of files, but you can't run software on it. So everything you do has to be in the cloud. That's why I've switched to story for this planning so I could do it when we're out in Spain. So I am going to be doing writerly jobs when I'm out there. But when I'm in Spain, priority is, you know, family and fun. And then the, the work stuff will get fitted in around that. So we are actually usually when we go to Spain, there isn't that much going on at night, so we're not in a resort. This time we're in a resort where there's loads of stuff going on at night. So I may come back on January the 11th, so I haven't lifted a finger over the last three weeks. There's always a danger of that where we're headed for um, our holes this year. So anyhow, as you can imagine, I'm really looking forward to going to Spain, but I do intend to get those small amounts of work done because they enable me to come and hit the ground running when I get back to the UK and And, by the way, I think I'd previously given you a start date for writing. I think it was the 24th of January, if memory serves me correctly. But I'm actually going to shuffle that day uh, forward now. I'm actually going to start writing a lot earlier. The reason for that is my wife's change of schedule. You know, Because she's working uh, different days now, it means now that I can start to write on Friday the 18th of January, so a week earlier. And it may be Thursday the 17th of January. We've got a local podcaster's meeting penciled in for Thursday the 17th of January Uh, but if we're Quora then I shall head down to Lancaster we'll do that meeting and if we're not then I'll turn that into a writing day Um, but Friday 18th of January is when Teague starts writing and it's been really funny because you know I, I haven't written for the last six months and actually recording this today I have just finished my edit on so many lies. So I've gone through it, performed my edit on it, done the spellings on it, you know, done the continuity stuff, sorted out a little, a uh, couple of uh, little plotty snags um, today. And what else have I done? Oh, it's been through kind of spell check and grammar check and all of that kind of stuff. Um, oh, I also had to change some names because even though I know that you can put all the names of your characters in a spreadsheet to make sure that you don't have names with the same initial on, I still ignored the advice and knowledge and had, um, somebody with the same initial, two main characters with the same, sorry, letter beginning their name. So I had to change that as well. Um, so, so many lies has had my edit on it and my edit basically means that's good to hand over to an editor now you know it won't be perfect but it's had my first kind of polish I've sorted out what I perceive as the problems and so it's ready for another pair of eyes to look at it so just to reiterate my wife has looked I've written it my wife has read it and given me her edits I've gone through it um, thoroughly to do my edits so as a first pass it's kind of as as good as I can make it. Now I'm going to get a second pair of eyes on there. Who knows nothing about the story whatsoever, and they will read it as a reader does, and then we'll come back and we'll edit it and we'll finesse that book. So the um, the future of so many lies is dependent really on how soon or if I get a Don't Tell Meg book bub. Because if I I can put Don't Tell Meg into book bub again on the 30th of January, and I'm looking to uh, a get a book bub on Don't Tell Meg to pay for any changes I need to make to my thriller. So I need to get an edit on So Many Lies, proper edit on So Many Lies, and I need to get um, some decent covers. They won't be full price covers. I don't think I'm going to be able to afford that, but they will be better covers or different covers on my standalone thrillers so that I could do a rapid release, re-release of my thrillers later in the year. And the date of that, as I've said before, is going to be determined by if and how long it takes me to get a Don't Tell Meg uh, book bub. So I can start pitching for those on the 30th of January, when I kind of get that money in, that's what's going to pay for the changes I need to do on the other books, on the other thrillers. And that will determine the rapid re-release cycle for those thrillers. And the rapid re-release will begin with uh, So Many Lies, which will be my next uh, brand new book that nobody's read. So there is kind of method to all of this madness. Hopefully that will all come up and hopefully I will get a book to bootstrap all of that. Got lots of kind of news for you this week. I should have said this right at the beginning before I started uh, talking to you about Satsumas. Um, I got lots of sort of bits and pieces of news this week, uh, lots of interesting stuff. Um, something that just popped up in Facebook today was that my author page, which I don't really do anything with it's it. I, I, you know, sorry to say this, but it's more there out of a sense of obligation, really, particularly as I can't advertise anymore. Um, but I got 400 likes now on my Facebook author page. I haven't been particularly trying to grow those. Those are almost organic. So I'm quite pleased about that. I just I say I hadn't been watching the numbers. Uh that I I knew they'd be a bit embarrassing and low for some time. So when that little graphic came up in my feed dent said, you've got four hundred likes on your Facebook author page, I Well, oh, that's you know, that's actually half respectable uh, for a half ass kind of author page. So um, you know, that's quite handy. Um I, I think that in the new year I need to kind of focus on that author page. And I think that I've always kind of had this this sort of problem, this tension between what I do, sort of internet marketing stuff, you know, selling courses and podcasts and things like that, and what I do as an author. And so on my Facebook author page, you've got kind of you know, businessy stuff and author kind of chat on there. Not author chat, but I mean author um self-publishing kind of stuff about you know how I publish books and what I do to promote books, rather than author stuff on there. So I think really next year I need to look at making that actually a page for readers, for people who read my books rather than for people who consume, say, this diary or, or the interviews on my podcast. And I, you know, I, I don't, I don't like social media enough to be bothered to have two separate channels. This is, this is the thing. So I, I have on, on, I, I deleted my Clixio page, which was the page I'd built up while in internet marketing, which had about five and a half thousand likes on it. I deleted that in the new year because I thought, you know, there's no point in me having this page. I'm not doing anything with it. They won't let me change the name of it. So they'd lock down the title. So I just deleted it. You know, all five and a half thousand uh, likes on there because I had nothing to do with it really. And I thought, well, if I burn the bridge, it won't tempt me back into that, that area. So now all I have on Facebook, obviously I've got my personal profile, which again, you know, I constantly consider. If I didn't use it for Messenger, I'd quite happily burn it for personal use. So I, I do love Facebook Messenger, not only for communications with family, but also for um, people being able to reach me externally, if you want, and, and reach out. Um, so I do like Facebook Messenger, uh, but I would happily, you know, see the back of Facebook. Um, but in terms of business pages, I've got that author page, which I've been a bit confused about what I do with and I've also just got a, a basic a self-publishing journeys page and all I use that for I don't put any content on there at all other than I automatically or I auto post the episodes of this podcast to it every week I don't put any comment on there or anything at all but I just know that people like a uh, discover and like to listen to podcasts in different ways. So I know, for instance, there's a whole section of people who listen to my podcast who only consume it on YouTube. And so with that in mind, I thought, well, let's just feed this stuff to Facebook. I'm not going to build a community around it or anything like that. I'm just going to automatically post the videos. And I guess as, as people find it, and if they like it, other people will discover it. But you know, it's not really my primary channel for the podcast. I have uh, completed this is what I did yesterday so today I've been finishing off so many lies and you know that I was finishing the edits of that last weekend Um, yesterday I completed a review of my blurb reviews now this was a a suggestion that John Cronshaw sent my way on social media and I thought it was a brilliant idea and I wished I wished I'd done it from the start so if, if you're new to this this is a great tip what I've done now with my blurb, so these are the things that you put on uh, you know, Amazon and, and uh, when am I'm trying to say uh, Kobo and all the other sites to promote your book. John's suggestion was that you keep all iterations of your blurbs in a, in the same place so that you can kind of go back to them, rewrite them. If something doesn't work, when you change it, you can go back to an old one. I think it's just an absolutely brilliant idea. Very simple, but brilliant idea. So, um, liking that idea as I do, I've systemized it. So I've now created a Scrivener file and I've placed my old blurbs in the Scrivener file. So I've now got, like, for instance, the secret bunker, uh, you know, version one, version two, version three. So I'm versioning the, I'm versioning them, but they're all in one scrivener file, just like my author notes are. So they can be revisited, updated easily. So it's systemized again. And, um, I had to rework my secret bunker blurb. So I'd reworked my grid ones recently and I said that I'd had my blurbs written by somebody else. I was ever really very happy with them. Um, not because they were bad blurbs, just because I didn't, you know, unless you read the book, um, you know, you don't really get the, I don't think you really get the sense of it. You don't really get inside the book. And, and I don't think my blurbs are terrible. You know, my own, my blurbs have sold Don't Tell Megs and they sold enough of the grid in the last book. But so I don't really think my blurbs are, are terrible. They're probably not perfect. They're probably far from perfect, but they're not terrible. They're not appalling. They do manage to sell books. So. I decided to stick with my, my own stuff and I've rewritten the blurbs to The Secret Bunker. And to be honest with you, I think that I, I based it on the original ones I did, which I think were pretty good, to be honest with you. I've just made some tweaks in there as well. Um, so The Secret Bunker has new blurbs across the board and then all the existing blurbs for thrillers and things, which I've been quite happy with and have been selling books, um, they've gone into this Scrivener file. But I do recommend that to you. So, you know, now I've got all my books in Vellum files. Um, I've got my author notes, I've got all of these now, blurb reviews as well, all systemized so I can keep that going when I start writing again. I wanted to recommend to you this week a brilliant podcast that I've been listening to. I, I've been a devil recently, I don't know why, but um, when I go to bed at night, I'm out like a light. But if I wake up, which I have to do about four o'clock, I can't get to sleep a lot of the time. And so rather than you know get up too early... And, and be tired for the rest of the day. What I've started to do, uh, is I, I have my phone in, in the room, which I don't like doing, but I, I have it only for the podcast. So I'm not checking it at all and, and all the volumes off and everything. I don't have any buzzing or whirring or anything like that. It's completely silent. And I have, I've got the headphones in. And if I wake up early, I'm just putting a podcast in to listen to. And I have to say, actually, because they're just voice only, I do actually tend to drift off you know 10 minutes into a podcast and then in the morning I have to re-download it because I was interested in that I just happened to you know I was still tired and it made me drift off um but one podcast that I listened to this morning early this morning at some ridiculous hour after four o'clock was um from the science fiction and fantasy book uh show um and uh or podcast whatever they call it so the science fiction and fantasy and this is the one with Lindsay Barocca and other co-presenters. And um, I hadn't listened to it. I think it was, I'm sure, again, it was John Cronshaw. Again, thanks for the tip, John. Um, I'm sure it was John Cronshaw who recommended an episode to me in which Brian Meeks was on. And it was an excellent episode. Uh, and, and I added it to my podcast stream. And I'm not interested in every episode. Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't listen to it every week. But when they have a good episode on it, it's a really good episode. You know, when they have um, one that really kind of hits the mark, and they had another one of those, episode 210. And to save you hunting for it, I'll put it on the show notes this week. But the title of the show is Selling More at Kobo, Relying Less on Amazon, and also What's Coming Up for Authors in 2019. And they had Mark, and I'm going to say his name wrong again, even though I heard it loads of times, Mike Lefebvre, 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 um, the, the guy who used to work for Cobo, who went on his own and now works for Draft Digital. Um, and he was excellent. It was an excellent episode, and I think primarily it was there to uh, promote Mark's book, which I've I've rec- I bought and have recommended to you on this podcast before because I'm trying to get on top of Cobo at the moment. And it's an excellent book, and and the conversation on this podcast is excellent. So just like I steered you very strongly towards Kirsten Oliphant's podcast the other day about advertising I'm going to steer you very strongly towards listening to this podcast whether you're wide or not it's a very very strong content rich podcast and I I found it fascinating it's one that I will probably listen to again to make sure that I get all the nuggets out of it as you know I'm kind of just at the end of a, a book funnel kind of promotion at the moment. And I just wanted to give you some numbers on this. So these are the first book funnel promotions I've hosted and held on the platform. Um, I used to run them myself. I took a break during GDPR while we were getting all that stuff confirmed. And now all the GDPR stuff sorted out and Book Funnel handled out excellently. I'm happy to go in and run another promotion. So I've been running exactly for the same period of time. I've been running two promotions. I've done one for sci-fi and I've done one for thrillers. And I just wanted to give you some of the numbers from this. So um, I've got the number of claims and a claim is when somebody actually goes to get your book, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you get an email from that. So remember, with GDPR, we can't force people to register for our email list to get a book. We have to make that optional. So I don't mind that because, you know, what I hope it means is you get more engaged people on your email list, you know, a lot of the time. And you know it because sometimes you just want the free book. I don't really care for your emails. I don't really want more emails, thank you. I just want your book. And so I don't really mind this, to be honest with you. It is slower and the numbers are lower, but I, I hope I'm getting a more... Uh, sort of dedicated, more committed uh, list of email subscribers with that, which means i don 't waste money uh, with tire kickers in that case so in the sci fi promo uh, phase six has had two hundred and fourteen downloads, and in that promo, phase two so I beg your pardon, phase six was the second most downloaded book in that giveaway um the grid one so i because it's my promo i did allow people to to list two books but i did list two books in my own promo so the grid had 180 downloads and i was the fifth most downloaded book in that uh, in that giveaway now i do find this interesting because as you know i was pretty strict about the covers and the and the, the genre specificity specificness of the covers so uh, you know you were you were with a lot of other good authors with high quality covers and I find this quite useful for testing because if my covers were rubbish, you know, if my blurbs looked rubbish, uh, I wouldn't be coming high up in in the kind of download stakes. So phase six was number two. I was somebody just slightly above me with more downloads. And the grid one again was number five out of 30 listers. So, you know, I take that, if I was number 30 out of 30, i have to be asking myself some questions about my blurbs and my covers. So it's good to me that I'm kind of quite high up there. Now in the crime and thrillers, I got with Dead of Night, I had Dead of Night and Don't Tell Megan there, this is quite interesting, I had Dead of Night, I got 286 downloads in that giveaway, and once again I was the second most downloaded book, now remember Dead of Night is the cover that I designed, it's one of Paul's dodgy covers, Whereas Don't Tell Meg, it got 141 downloads, but it was 14th, so it was about halfway among all the other thrillers. And I have to say the thriller covers were really high quality. they were really uh, excellent. I think there were about two there that were a bit hit on miss, and the rest were really they were so strong. I was looking at a lot of those thriller covers thinking, "I'm going to ask you who your cover." Uh, producer you know artist is because that's such a lovely cover this is another advantage by the way of of taking part in and running giveaways particularly running giveaways is that you could get the author email easily and you can contact them and say who's doing that work because that's great so um out of the whole crime giveaway, there were 4,487 claims. So I had 30 authors taking part, which I think is the magic number. I think if you have any more than that, I think um, it gets a bit dispersed uh, and there's too many books. You know, it's like a kid in a sweet shop. There's too many things to look at and to scoff. Um, so I think 30, I feel, is the magic number, certainly just with my personal experience. Uh, 4,487 claims in the crime giveaway and in the sci-fi giveaway we had 3,837 claims and of course they were all divided among the 30 participants in each giveaway. I think that's pretty good you know just a group of people sending a little bit of traffic to a giveaway I thought that was okay and then in terms of what did that give me as new subscribers well over a period of two weeks so far it's given me 175 new subscribers So, um, if you think that when I started email marketing, it, I used to get, what was it? I, it took me 20, took me a year to get 25 subscribers. That's not bad. Now, pre GDPR, let me just, I'm just going to do a quick addition some here. Pre GDPR to get all of those subscribers, I would have got, because I'd have forced them into, Coming into MailerLite, That, it, it pre GDPR, that would have given me 821 new leads. So, um, if I tot up the number of actual claims I got on my book, and then that would, that was 821 claims. I've given away 821 free copies or first in series on my books over the last two weeks. So it's about a quarter with GDPR. It's about a quarter of, of what I would have got. But as I say, we haven't press gang those people. They didn't need to register for my email list. So I hope that that makes them more predisposed to be engaged with me and actually read the bloomin' emails, which is ultimately what we want. There's a lovely feature in MailerLite actually, which I used again, I think it was this morning or last night. It's, a, a, you know, basically it's a disengaged subscriber section where uh, you know people who haven't opened emails for ages it just gives lists them and you can just delete them so I just got rid of 10 today I'm actually being merciless with this at the moment it's like if you don't open my emails I'm just being merciless with it I just want to boil it down to an engaged group of people who like my stuff and what I say and if they don't you know I'm quite happy for them to leave I have no problem with that but I'm being really merciless with this that, um, you know, if you're not engaged, then go. If you are, that's fantastic. Um, but I'm not sort of paying for people if they don't want to be around. You know, I'm not, I'm not press-ganging anybody. I'd rather people were there voluntarily and were engaged. And the reason why I've done that is the kind of conversations I've been having with people who've been replying to the questions in my monthly emails. You know, when you get those lovely relationships and people are talking to you like they already know you, and they're, they're saying how much they enjoy the books and when's the next one out, when you have those kind of conversations it just made me think that's the kind of person i want on my list if you don't want to be there don't be there you know, just go i'd rather have people who are willingly there who want to chat who want to have that conversation and i'm happy to take lower numbers as a result of that you know i've 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 had 20 thousand to twenty five thousand people on a list it's very expensive at that level and um, because it was internet marketing those people were not particularly engaged they got too many emails selling them rubbish you know digital rubbish on the internet and and I was paying a lot of money to have a lot of um, or minimal engagement so give me engagement any day I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to people Directly on the emails in a very small way, it's working really nicely for me, so I'm just going to continue with that. Um, you know, certainly for the foreseeable for the foreseeable future. Okay, I took just a little break there to finish the Satsuma because it was just winking at me. I'd have got a half eaten Satsuma. It was absolutely beautiful. It must be Satsuma season. I think my wife got those from the market because they came in a brown paper bag, but they are beautiful. And you know what? I don't really like um, oranges. I like the taste of oranges, but I like them prepared. I don't like the pith, but that's why I eat Satsumas. And I, I get my vitamin C intake over the next couple of months while the Satsumas are beautiful. I have enough vitamin C to last me for a year. And then I don't really touch a lot of fruit after that. Um, it's the pith I don't like on oranges. If it, it sounds really kind of like Waitrose Shopper, doesn't it? But I, I like my oranges prepared like they are in a fruit salad because I don't like the pith. So I've got to eat as many satsumas as I possibly can. I'm hoping that, that they, they should be gorgeous in Spain, shouldn't they? Um, the other thing I, in Spain I do is I virtually, I don't drink a lot. Uh, I And so in Spain, I tend to have zumo de naranja, which is Fresh orange juice, freshly squeezed orange juice, absolutely gorgeous in Spain, of course, because oranges drop on the floor in Spain, you know they 've got so many other things um, it 's really cheap to have fresh orange juice in Spain. What did I pay in a weather spoons for a fresh orange juice the other day? all my family were with us, all my kids were with me, or four, well, two of the kids were with me, and, and my wife was with me, and it was like twelve quid for four fresh orange juices it's uh, so it didn 't cost that in Spain, which is great. Anyhow, that's enough of Vitamin C News for this week. Let's move back onto the writing stuff. And um I've been running some promotions. Having been inspired by Kirsten Oliphant's uh post, her her blog posts and her podcast, I decided to get some promos going, so I'm gonna give you some results from the promos, and it's been quite good this week. Um but when I, I, I always look at the charts when I do a book bub, but I don't really look at the charts anymore when I do free books and things like that, because I know they get you high up in the charts. But as you know, from listening to these podcast diaries, I don't really get excited about being number one in free anymore. My next target is to be number one in paid. That's what I want to see, or top 10 in paid. I don't get that excited about being in, in the free charts because I know I can do that now and I know that that will result in a certain number of sales but but actually you know it's great when you do it the first couple of times but I, I just want sales now you know it, it, it's money I want money in from books I don't want to be giving stuff away from free all the time I want cash in so um but I did look at some charts this morning and and had some nice results so um I've with these promos I was at number 84 in the paid apple charts with The Murder Place. So I've been promoting Don't Tell Meg for free. And of course, the whole reason that we do that with a series is that because people hopefully like the book and they go and buy book two and three in the series. So on the back of that, and because I'm wide at the moment, The Murder Place was number 84 in the paid Apple chart. And so um, at number 77 is Jojo Jojo Moyes, for instance. You've got um, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, at number 80, uh, we had Stuart McBride, The Blood Road at number 90. So he was below me. And you've got Karen Slaughter, a thriller writer, uh, with the book, uh, Pieces of Her at uh, number 82. So, um, I love this about Apple, but I mean, I, you know, I know it's just transitory and I'll be on and off the chart. I don't kid myself with it, but you do get to be surrounded by loads of, I mean, really big authors. You don't tend to get that on even, even on an Amazon free chart, not the kind of author that you get. When you're on a an Apple chart, you read the real kind of you know creme de la creme when you get on a an Apple chart, and it'll only be you know I'll be on and off. It won't take it won't be very long. It'll it'll be there one minute, gone the next. But you do get some beautiful screenshots. So I was 84 on the paid chart in Apple. I was number one. I've been number one in a couple of charts actually uh it, it, on Amazon. But I was number one in top three. Um, psychological fiction in the United States, which made me very happy because I like I like being number one in the states. Um so, yeah, I got a couple of charts, which was which was great. I didn't look too hard, but um, the Apple one made me pleased. It's not, uh, and I was I think I was something like number eight in thrillers free, and oh, I was next to um I was next to Adam Croft. That's right because I posted it on Twitter actually just to just to show it. So let me just find the screenshot. Yeah, so in top three thrillers, I was number seven. And Adam Croft was number six, so I was right next to Adam Croft in there and then so you don't really see huge authors in the in the Apple kind of free books, but um you know if I'm right next if I've just won below Adam Croft, I sort of figure I must be doing something right with my promotion if I if I'm sort of getting to the same kind of position uh that Adam did so anyhow, let me tell you what the numbers were on the promo so I, I had a Kindle Nation daily on on Wednesday of this week. And I got, I, that wasn't very good, actually. Uh, it was 150 free downloads on the day of promotion. It's, that's not brilliant, is it? I don't think. And it's quite expensive, Kindle Nation Daily. So um, I've got another one with Kindle Nation Daily in the new year for the grid. Let's see how that goes. But my experience was not very good. I don't think 150 is very good. Um, I had a free Boxy and fussy librarian on Thursday. That was much better, 1,147 downloads or the day of the promo um, itself so I'm much happier with that that's a good number of downloads you know I'll get some that'll give me some purchases and then just to put that in context I did an e-reader news today last Tuesday I think I told you about this but the downloads that I got on the day of release was five six four so again I, I've always liked free books I can't separate I should have been clever actually I should have had the fussy Librarian the day after free booksy so I could have Isolated the traffic slightly more. It's it's never quite perfect because you always have a tailover uh, when you have a promo. But um, you know, I know Free Booksy delivers good traffic. So from that, I would say Free Booksy, Strokey, Reader News Today with the strong ones. That's a poor experience of Kindle Nation Daily for me. And I know that you know, firstly, librarians fine. It doesn't um, doesn't change the world, but it does give you just to give you some reasonable results. But anyhow, it was an, it's enough to get the murder place into uh, the top sort of 100 on Apple iBooks. So, or Apple Books, is it called now? Um, you know, so that's quite pleasing anyway. Um, what I think I'm going to try next year, and again, I might be missing a trick here. And I, this is what uh, Kirsten Oliphant does. And I kind of, when I listened to her podcast interview, I listed everything for free because that's just what I do. And, and then I... She doesn't do free, I don't think. I think she does paid. And why haven't tried with my trilogies i don't know don't know why I, I'm very um very linear thinking sometimes uh, I think, and you know very very everything in boxes. And it takes me a little while for the penny to drop sometimes. But what I should try on BookBub as well as the other channels is promoting at 99 pence and cents, first in series. I don't think I've ever tried that before. I don't know why I've never tried that before. So I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't do it for a standalone, because I think at best I'm gonna make my money back. I might get a little bit of read-through, but at best I can make my money back. But but it makes sense on a series to put the first in series at 99 pence or cents and in many respects it makes more sense to do that if it works because you're getting paying customers not freebie seekers so my view is that if you pay 99 pence or cents for it, you're probably going to read that book if you get it for free you just get loads of tire kickers who just leave it on their kindle and forget all about it so you know you need to get very high numbers with a free promo because you're going to have massive uh, losses of people who never even see the or read the book or open the book even um, by the way, that's one of the things that Mark Lefebvre, Lefebvre sorry, Mark, I, I hear it so many times, I still can't get it right when I'm saying it. Um, he was talking about that. He was just talking about the need for technology for Amazon or Kobo or whichever reader it is to be able to see that you've downloaded a book and not opened it and then to promote to you on that basis, because he said uh, Kobo, they knew that if somebody's for instance, read the first in series, 50% would go on to buy the next one. So it's in Kobo's and Amazon's interest to get you to read the books that you download, not to just leave them on there. And he was just talking about that in that podcast interview I mentioned earlier. And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, don't just download the blasted things. if, if Because they know it's on your your reader. If they then target you and say, you know, you downloaded Pulteeks Don't Tell Meg, you know, you're going to start reading it's a great series, or here's some reviews from people who read the book and loved it. You know, that's isn't that ninja marketing? So, I think that makes a lot of sense, and hopefully, that'll be coming up at some point. So, those are the results from those promos. Um, that is that's pretty well it for my Don't Tell Meg promos. I've got some others coming up. Um, for the grid and what I did today um I, I'll do it on Amazon after the weekend because that's where most of the book sales are going to come from I've now um because don't tell Meg I could put it on a book bub in about um, just over a month's time I want to make sure that don't tell Meg is returned to its normal price of £2.99 $3.99 because when I go for that book bub I need there to be a, a price differential now it's been free for for the last five months, simply because the sales have been up, you know it's been driving sales for the last three months that that's why I've left it free. You don't sort of take it off free while it's still making sales, so I just left it uh but it isn't supposed to be a perma free book that I don't want it to be a perma free book, so it's going back to priced now um and uh that's good to get it ready for the next bookbub ad and I might I'm going to consider maybe putting that on at ninety nine pence or cents. We'll see. I'll I'll see how I feel when I get back from Spain. But if I don't put that one on 99 pence or cents, I'm going to try. I think I'm going to try the ones. I'm just going to see. I just want to see how many, what the money in is like compared to the read through. Because my kind of experience with internet marketing tells me that the paying customers are always better customers. They are always, always, always better customers, customers who pay. Um, freebie people are just tire kickers, you know. So, of, of freebie seekers, a certain part of them will be you know committed they might just they might be people who read voraciously but are on a low budget for instance so you're always going to have a subsection of those freebie seekers who who actually download books purposefully and read them but the majority of them are just oh you know I go for free they load them up they don't read them so sort of common sense and experience tells me that if you if you get that balance between a bargain 99 pence or cents And people who pay that might actually be better in the long term for kind of dedicated serious readers. Because I mean, the other thing I can tell you is that you always get lower reviews when you're free. Um, I, I, because I think people are less committed. I think they sort of say, Oh yeah, pretty cover. I'll have that. And when they read it and it's not their thing, because they didn't take time to do the due diligence. They then say, oh, rubbish, and put a three-star, this wasn't my thing. Whereas if you buy a book, if you pay for a book, you generally take that little bit of time to make sure it's the right book for you. You read the blurbs, oh yeah, I have that. I, you know, I like that, I read that. Um, whereas I think there's a difference between freebie seekers. I think they're less sort of committed in that buying process. So I think for 2019, I want to run some experiments, not necessarily just on BookBurb, but also on free books and other outlets, Uh, on 99 pence and cent sales and just to see whether we could uh, just get slightly better results um, than I have been getting on the freebies. I always know there's a penalty with the freebies that I'm going to get hit on the reviews. But then again, you know, it brings the cash in, doesn't it? So we'll have a think about that. Actually, I was talking to John Hindmarsh, who's my guest on Monday. And John and I were talking about putting box sets into BookBub. And I, I actually, after we chatted, I in my sort of impetuous rush... I put Don't Tell Meg box set into Bookbub, and the price of it was something like seven or eight hundred dollars. Seven or eight hundred dollars to put a book, a box set into Bookbub, and I think you know you price it down at one ninety nine or something like that. And I, and I said to John that I'd done it, and I slept on it, and just thought, oh my god, I could lose so much money on this. You know, if I only sold a handful of box sets, and I chickened out and cancelled that promotion in the end now I know I think John was waiting to see whether his would get in and he was the same you know it's a lot of money um, but he said he'd report back if you get to box it but my goodness the price of a book bub goes up depending on the price of what you're selling so I'm assuming that if I were to sell it at 99 cents I'd probably be paying more than the four or five hundred dollars that you pay for free it's very expensive and it, it, you know it does take a nerve put that amount of money in up front when you've got no experience of of whether you're even going to get that money back so I'm afraid I chickened out Um, in flusher times if if I'm a bit flusher next year I might give it a try if I'm feeling a bit more gung-ho but not at the moment and in preparation for my 2019 plans I and I've been caught with this before I have taken my thrillers off Kobo Plus now this isn't Kobo this is Kobo Plus And you opt into Kobo Plus, and I think it's a month. You, you have to sort of be in it for a certain amount of time, and then you can get out of it. It, It's, it's almost like KDP Select, but not like KDP Select, in that you, you, when you're in it, um, I think it goes to subscribers, but only in certain countries, or it's your books eligible for subscribers, but you can't just sort of, you know, click the button and then be out the next day. There is a commitment with it. So what I've done now is I've removed that commitment so that when I, come to my thrillers in the new year and I want to unpublish them, then I'm not got stuck at Kobo because I got to out wait for this three month period to finish. I'm not even aware of whether I made any sales through that. So it doesn't particularly matter, but that's not Kobo It is Kobo plus, which is a separate thing. And it's a checkbox that you have to tick. So I want to have full autonomy when I, as I said to you right at the beginning of this podcast, when, uh, when and if, if and when I should say I, I get a, another book bub on Don't Tell Meg, that will give me a, a good month for income, and that will then pay for some new covers, you know, new titles and refreshes on my standalone thrillers, and then I will start to launch with So Many Lies, I'll do one of my sort of unloved standalone thrillers, which I've done nothing with, they'll go in the launch sequence, and I'll at some point will take Don't Tell Meg off too, if if this works, and then they will be part of that relaunch, as I'm trying to not game but you know uh, reflect amazons algorithms um so as I say, that's just a simple little thing, but it's worth me mentioning because I know I've got caught with Kobo Plus before. Um, I hadn't kind of realized the implications of, of putting myself in Kobo Plus. As usual, I hadn't read the small print. I've just gone tick, 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 like you do, and then found out when I wanted to take my book out and I, I wanted to unpublish it. I can't remember why. And Kobo said, well, you're, you're committed to this for a, a certain period of time. So I'm actually ahead of the game with that. Um. When you hear my goals for 2019, you're going to hear quite a singular focus. And I'll explain that. I'm not, I won't sort of, you know, I'll keep my powder dry and not tell you everything that's coming up in that in that podcast episode. But you know that I've been reading um, The One Thing and you know that I've been talking to you about gain, gaining more focus. You know, I'm spread all over the place doing podcasts and marketing stuff and things like that. You're going to see a lot more focus in 2019, really sort of head down and focusing on, the, the, the core things that we need to do and um Kirsten Oliphant so she's just doing an excellent series at the moment and it's excellent because she's what she's done has worked very fast with the books uh, but not you know not in a huge way she's doing what most of us would be happy with she's bringing in three and a half thousand dollars a month and she's no you know she's no ninja at this uh, and, and that's why I think it, it resonated so much with me because actually she's she's selling the kind of books at a level and using techniques that we can all use. Um, you know, you've got Mark Dawson this week, who's who's a, a million dollar author, which is just absolutely phenomenal. And clearly, you need to see what people like Mark are doing because that's your line in the distance, that's our aspiration. But a lot of us simply just couldn't, you know, couldn't do what Mark's doing at the moment. We have to just think a little bit smaller for the time being. And and sort of Kirsten, I think was. You know, right in the trenches, bringing in the kind of income level that most of us would be absolutely ecstatic about, which is why I keep telling you to listen to the episode. But I wanted you to listen to another episode that she's done, which is now episode 135, where she says, pick one thing. And it's interesting. She's been going through a similar process to me this year, I think, where she has, she spread herself very thinly. She has a lot going on and she's trying to super focus. And I'm really, I am exiting from doing you know, teaching internet marketing stuff. I, I love internet marketing stuff. I do it myself. Um, this week, I've been messing around with websites and doing all sorts of things in the background that you won't even see. I love doing that stuff. Um, but basically, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I had, a, I, I had a renewal bill on SiteGround, which I love. But the renewal bill, um, SiteGround was only about 100 and something when I, when I joined it. And they're brilliant hosting. I love them. But um, I think the the hosting last year was two hundred and something, and this year got slapped with a bill for three hundred and something. Now, because I got so many sites, I basically pay for two site ground hosting packages, so that I don't use the resources, burn up the resources, and and um, you know kind of get extra bills slapped on me. And the bill for this renewal was something like going to be about three hundred and something, I think. My I was looking at nearly six hundred pounds, you know, just to have. Ten sites, most of which don't really do very much, and I just thought, "Joe, that just isn't good value for money anymore." That's that's really just not good value. So what I did is I I've been moving sites around. So I, I took a month of cheap hosting, and I've moved sites to there, and then I've been adding them to my. To one site ground package, and then looking at the disk space that I'm using, the resources, and so basically, what I've done is I've rationalised my sites so that I could just use one hosting package, and I'll be paying two hundred and something for that a year, and I don't mind that for you know, 10, 10 websites. Um, but there's only really, two, well, there's only really self-published journeys that I'm I'm really thrashing. The others don't get a huge amount of traffic. So it just wasn't a good value for money. So I, I've been doing that kind of in between while well, I've been listening to podcasts and them. I've been moving all these sites around. I have managed to rationalize that now, but it just didn't represent good value for money. I didn't think that you know five hundred and six hundred pounds um for the the sites, and they are rationalized now, and as it turns out, I got plenty of space on the hosting, so it was actually a good kind of exercise to do so um, with that co- comment about picking one thing i'm just ditching a load of distractions now so uh, and i'm I'm deleting loads of stuff, so um, i can't even remember how I found it the other day, but i, got, I had like Oh, goodness knows how many, 50, 60 slideshare presentations, uh, there. Oh, I know. I, I got an email saying somebody had viewed the or liked the presentation so I've removed that because because in good internet marketing fashion all these things that I put out there they all bring people back to sites they all they're all there to use traffic and I thought I don't want sort of queries or questions around this I just want to close this stuff now so I deleted a load of slideshare presentations a lot of them are out of date but they still drive traffic um, I updated my LinkedIn profile I am now I used to put social and digital marketer for ages I've now put author and podcast host i time defining myself I have removed. Would you believe this? I, I've closed my Teachable courses. So I had two courses. I experimented with a self-publishing course, and and again, I just don't want to keep up with it. I don't want to update it. Um, the, you know, these things take so much updating because everything changes, and I just don't want to do that. So I've closed my Teachable course. If you if you've got existing access to that, I, have, I haven't deleted it. You still get your access to that, but it's no longer on sale. And then, I mean, partly me did re- reflect on this. I closed my Teachable how to use Vellum on a PC course. Um, and then would you believe it? I closed it down. I think it was on Monday. And then I got an email from somebody saying, Oh, I've heard that you do a vellum course. And, um, I said, yes, um, you know, here's a free, I, I've closed it, but here's the free page on my podcast and this person got back to me and said um you know would you make an exception can I buy it from you and all I made this person a free account because I, I can't sort of take payments and I just said look you have that on me um you just have access to it um but I'm not doing any support don't ask me any questions you know it's as it is um you just have to get on with it um and uh and then she sent me the money anyway she sent me money anyway through PayPal uh, so, so what what's you know what's that all about I mean I, that's very nice um I thought it was very, very you know very sort of honorable thing to do but I was quite happy to just say look take it for free if you really want it um but I I, I don't really want to sell it anymore because I don't want to support it I don't want to answer questions or have you know people popping up it's it's a funny old thing I talk about this in the quarterly goals actually It's it is very much my issue but um I think it, I think I've mentioned this to you before. It comes from the days when I was on call with the BBC and you, you get this kind of beep. We, we were, I used to be on beepers in those days. You used to have to ring, you got the number of the person who was calling. Um, and, and it used to make my stomach sort of knot up because you never knew whether it was, you just didn't know what it was. And most of the time, to be honest with you, it was somebody had lost a cat and they were ringing at three o'clock in the morning. Would you believe? Um, you know, because we were only local radio, but you never quite knew when you answered the phone what it was and it's made me very wary of phones I hate phone calls now I only do them by appointment now I hate I hate a ringing phone because you know for so many years it brought in hassle and bad news and um and I'm the same with kind of you know emails that 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 have complaints and support desk request. I, I i i need to go to a psychologist don't I, I think um but yeah so that's gone and also i'm removing a load of uh, youtube videos to a lot of um sort of how to youtube videos eventually i'll just remove them all i'm just as i say i love doing that stuff uh, but i'm just going to do it for myself um I, you know i just don't i'm not going to set it up to sell it make courses on it or anything like that certainly not for the time being and there's another there's another reason for that by the way which i haven't sort of shared with you and that is that Um, I don't want to sell, set myself up as inverted commas, an expert in any way, um, you know, there are people like Mark Dawson, for instance, and Joanna Penn, who are really sort of walking the walk. They're making big bucks from this. You know, Mark's got lots of evidence that his sales processes work and things like that. And I, I, I don't want to sort of set myself up as a, as a teacher for that because, you, you know, you know, from these diaries, I'm just buggling away through. I'm just trying to learn from best practice and, and, and do the best I can in a small way. And I, I don't want to set myself up as a teacher anymore with this stuff. Um, even though probably with the techie stuff, I, you know, i I'm, that's probably okay. Um, but I, I just want to, if you want, um, you know, consume the content from people who are further ahead than me and learn from people who are doing what I want to do. I'm, I'm just removing myself from the teaching end of the market. Um, you know, even though there are many things that I, I can teach, usually geeky things, I'm just going to remove myself from that. And be an author who writes and sells books and learns from other people. Now, if I ever, you know, kind of have a breakthrough and do amazing things, then I'll probably come back to that teaching thing. Um, but, but not at the moment. I'm removing myself from it. I had considered for a while my paulte.com blog, which is the oldest site I've got. It was the first. Uh, it was the first domain name I, I I bought for myself, and it was it was always the home of my blog for for years. Even though I've never really been a blogger. Um, but I've only got a handful of articles on there now and I was just considering what to do about that Um I, I had thought well should I put Paul's podcast diary on that and then kind of keep the interview separate on self-publishing journeys that would have made quite a lot of sense but then I thought oh no I've got like you know three years worth of links on there where I'm saying go to the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com forward slash this that and the other and it'll really screw things up so I thought no I'm not going to do that I'm just going to leave it on selfpublishingjourneys.com and then I thought about it I thought actually it makes more sense to take the sort of 10 12 blog posts I've got on paulteague.com and put them on self-publishing journeys and actually make that the home of all my kind of writing content so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with paulteague.com I do have enough room for it on this hosting package but actually it's an easy one to delete and what I end up doing is just um, redirecting it to one of my author sites now uh, paulteague.co.uk has got author stuff on it. So I may just redirect it to author sites now. Um, again, that paulteague.com site was another reason why I kind of kept coming back to internet marketing because it, that's what it always was. But I may just burn that bridge now and re- redirect it to a writing site and say, writing's what I do now. That's what I do. So, uh, that, that may disappear. I'll, that's the sort of thing that might get done in Spain. You might suddenly see it disappear and it gets redirected to self A couple of small bits of news for you this week, really, really happy that my editor, Hella Vazal, has uh, just returned to me The Secret Bunker 1, Darkness Falls, and she's gone through it, given it a re-edit, and she's turned it into all past tense. Now, you know that this was always, you know, if anybody ever expressed concern about The Secret Bunker, it was that I I had mixed past and present tense, and it works, but the most... uh, Regular comment I got was, once you get used to the way the tenses work, you know, this is a great book. That's usually what I get. But that's if people stuck with it. But other people didn't like that tense change. And so that was the first book I ever wrote in 2014. I was learning about all this stuff. Didn't make that mistake again. Um, and, And it was a mixture of first person and past. It does work within the context of the story. But actually, you know, it, it just makes it too hard a read to get your head round at the beginning. I think you know those initial stages when you're reading, thinking, "Is this for me? Is this not for me?" And I just want to remove all of that kind of resistance and friction. So Helen has now returned um, Secret Bunker One to me. It's all been past tense, which is just brilliant. So um, I, that's another thing I need to read actually when I'm out in Spain just to give it a read. And it's actually just as well this week because I um, I was toying with uh, uh, Helen's not going to get the three books back to me. Till probably just after Christmas. But I was able to submit the Secret Bunker to Bookbub again this week. And I thought, look, I can't, I can't not submit it because it's worth too much money to me if I get a Bookbub. You know, how, however you submit it, I'll just submit the existing books and I've done perfectly all right. They've got perfectly good reviews, just not enough of them. And so um, I, I sort of thought, right, I'm going to submit to Bookbub and Helen will be furious with me if I say to her, I've got a Bookbub. But I got another knockback. This week. So the secret bugger is yet to get a book bub. I got knocked back again this week, which means that I can now submit it. Um, when I get back from Spain, basically, I'll just resubmit it when I get back from Spain. And hopefully by that time, I'll have the, the last two books that Helen's doing for me in that series and they will be spick and span. And I will be hugely confident of putting those in a book bub then because the story was always great. It was just that, you know, it was my first book and, and I learned what I learned and I never made the same mistakes with it again. But now, um, I've always loved the story of The Secret Bunker. I still think it's a strong story and strong you know, premise. And, and people always tell me they love the character of Dan in that. Um, but I can be really confident of it being all past tense and all one tense now, because that was always the Achilles heel of that story, I think. I did say to you that I've been recording uh, 15 episodes. This is the 16th episode. But the um, the podcast episodes for this podcast and the crypto podcast are all kind of teed up. They're all ready to go. They'll all go on automatic uh, while I'm out in Spain. And um, hopefully I've got all the dates right and everything like that. There's quite a lot of podcasts to schedule, but I've checked them and checked them again. And everything should arrive at the right time in the right place and on the right channel. If it doesn't, apologies. I'll, I'll catch up with it at some point when I'm in Spain. A couple of mentions from Twitter this week. Uh, Edwin Downward, who was Monday's guest, uh, was listening to his own interview at 1.3 speed. That must be really surreal, Edwin, to do that. Um, I only listen to interviews at faster speed if it's really kind of slow and drooly. um And I speak quite fast. So goodness knows how you cope with me at 1.3 speed. But uh, it must have been really surreal listening back to yourself at 1.3 speed. But but more important than that, we get the best picture ever from Edwin. If you listen to his interview, you'll know that he, he works with sort of res- rescue rabbits. And we've got a beautiful picture of the rabbits in their in their kind of pens. Um, and I've put this on the show notes for this week. Just go to selfpublishingjourneys.com. And I love the way that there's tinsel around the pens uh, to give the rabbits that kind of seasonal flavor in their pens. But it's a lovely picture there. And Edwin's doing great work there with the rabbits and looking after the rabbits. And also, um, I got a uh, tweet from Tim Lewis again this week. And Tim um, was just talking to me, actually got a good little response. I had a couple of responses about the software. You know, I was ranting about WordPress, and MailerLite last week. I, I had some good responses to that. Uh, people either agreeing or just sort of commenting on it. And... Uh, Tim just said in his tweet, you know, as a former software developer, the reason that software companies don't do what their customers want is usually internal politics, not developers doing what they want. And I also got some great comments from, where are they, from Amelia Hay, who's also another uh, previous interviewee of this podcast. And Amelia did a couple of posts talking about MailerLite and WordPress. And um, I've obviously sort of hit a nerve with this as well, because I think Amelia was feeling quite cross about it too. So uh, Thank you very much for your comments, everybody, on that. You know, I I love reading all the the Twitter comments. We get some lovely little chats going on Twitter sometimes. And I'm, by the way, if you're not on Twitter... I'm at Paul T UK. Don't use my other one, which is actually about to be deleted. It's probably been deleted now as part of my, you know, Burning Bridges. Um, I have another Twitter channel, which is at SecretBunkerFan. Don't use that one. I've deleted that. It'll disappear. You need to be on at Paul UK, And that, frankly, is where I do all my kind of chatty stuff. It's the best place to follow me on Twitter. So thank you very much, Tim, for that. And then Tim was, um, I don't know where you were, Tim. It, it looks like municipal fencing. I would describe you know the kind of fencing that you get along railway tracks it looks like that and um yeah that's that's where Tim was walking today and it looks very autumnal at last I can see at last Tim I've made a few comments about um your area the London area uh being slightly behind autumn compared to Cumbria but it looks like you're as immersed in autumn and winter as we are now So thank you very much if you tweeted me. Uh, Always good to see your tweets. That's it from me for now. So you're not going to sort of hear from me live uh, uh, until well well into January now. Uh, What what will be the first day I do a live podcast? It's going to be the next time you'll kind of hear from me is Saturday the 19th of January. Everything else is kind of like robot Paul, um, pre-recorded Paul and in the stack. Uh, But there's loads of good stuff in the podcast episodes, of course. Um, But you know, in terms of news... Um, kind of week-to-week, day-to-day news will be mid-January, almost a month ahead, more than a month ahead until I do the first one of those interviews. So that's bound to be a long one, just like this one is. But we, the guests continue, the diaries continue, you know, your schedule will be uninterrupted over Christmas and New Year. And my guest on Monday is John Hindmarsh. This is a take two interview, i.e. the second time I've spoken to John on this podcast. Now, John is a sci-fi and thriller author who's been working through some pretty severe health problems recently, but we'll be catching up with his writing career that he'll let us know what he learned at 20 books Vegas this year as well. Great. Love talking to John. Amazing guy and lots of great author tips in there that's going to be episode 132 of the self-publishing journeys podcast and that's coming up for you on monday the 17th of december 2018 so i will have another diary update for you next saturday but when it's released i shall be hopefully in the spanish sunshine and i'll be reviewing my author ups and downs for 2018 over the next couple of weeks and you'll get my preview of 2019 and quarter one as well In the meantime, have a great week of writing, a brilliant Christmas and New Year, and I'll be back, non-robot Paul, in January. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.